Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well and that all manner of things are well. You know what I have thought for us. I said more than once last week that we cannot solve uh, single-handedly all the evil going on in the world. We must resist it. Um, We've uh, repeated the comment of Edward Burke many times that the only thing necessary for evil to persist is for good men to be silent. So we're not going to be silent. We are going to resist. We're not going to turn over. We're not going to give in. But the best thing we can do, since we cannot control the situation or anyone else's life, is to be a light in the darkness. And there are so many, I think, I think I told you when I came into the church, I found three generations lost to the faith. Catholics don't know their faith for the most part. Even those who have been through CCD and maybe the Baltimore Catechism really don't know their faith. And we can't live what we don't know. You know why you're Catholic. You know what it means to be Catholic. You know the basic tenets of the faith. You say the Apostles' Creed. Um, but so many, so many, so many do not know. I, I often think of the woman that I met. She was in her 60s. We were at the sepulcher on Easter morning in Israel where Jesus rose from the dead. And we needed to wait about an hour and a half because other groups were going in as well. And as we were waiting, I remember she said to me, um, uh, is it really true? I said, is what true? She said, well, you know, is the grave really empty? Did he really rise from the dead? I was astounded. She's been a Catholic all her life. She's never missed Sunday Mass um, and had no idea. I said, yes, of course he's risen. She said, I thought it was a child's story. Children's stories, which we learn when we're young. Hold on. (coughs) I didn't know it was so. There, in front of the Holy Sepulchre, we went from the Garden of Eden right through to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And I'll, I'll remember it forever because her life was transformed right on the spot. Unbelievable. A transformed woman in her 60s, Catholic all her life, and little idea of what the whole thing meant. So who's to blame for that? I have no idea, and I don't need to think about that. Um, It's our teachers who haven't taught, our families who haven't been formed, uh, parents who have failed to teach the faith. It's just so many things. Um, We don't have to pinpoint it. The schools who have failed, whatever it may be, and it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter. What matters is that it is the faith once delivered to the saints, which our Lord promised that he would lead into all truth, the disciples, to the end of time. 
And truth does not change. Our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, became flesh and lived among us and grew up and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. Through the church, he established. It's very, very important. So, once before, oh, maybe way over a year ago when when I was in Tulsa, now we're in Beloit, Kansas. I'm so, so thrilled. Um, And I, I bless all of you who are helping us to not just to purchase this huge home, but to, um, we've got to take down walls and build walls and put in showers and do a bunch of things, um, which is going to cost us probably as much as the house or more. So um, I bless all of you who are, who are assisting with that. Um, and we want now in Beloit to together, together to go through our faith and to know our faith and to live it as if it is true. Um, we drove yesterday, um, we picked a, a woman up who was uh, discerning with us. She came in uh, in Salina, which is a little over an hour south of us, and we picked her up and we drove back to Beloit with her. And we were going through little towns and not a single store was open. I was so thrilled. Not a store not a restaurant, zero, everything closed. My heart sang because no one should go to a store on Sunday. No one should go to a restaurant. So many Catholics go to restaurants after Mass on Sunday. Is that a bad thing to do? It's a bad thing to do, yes. Why? Because it's the day of rest for all of God's creatures. And why should I go to a restaurant and Uh, asked to be served by a server who has to work because we want to eat out. It makes no sense. We will not do that. And so if, if we all really lived our faith, never went to a shopping mall on Saturday, never went to a restaurant, no business on Sunday, rather, um, maybe the stores would close again as they once were closed and people would have the day off. Um, that's what we would wish. Um, So I'm going to dig in. This is the book we're going to go through. It's the Catechism. Look at how thick that is. Can you see that? The Catechism Explained. I don't know if you can see it. The Catechism Explained. It is um, by, uh, it's an exhaustive explanation of the Christian religion by the Reverend Francis Spirago. And this has a new forward by Father Chad Ripiger. Many of you know him. And the soft cover is published by Mediatrics Press, who are wonderful, wonderful folks and are producing wonderful books. Um, Very clear type, wonderful production um, at less than the original cost. So um, we're thrilled for that. We're going to start at actually page 14 which is the introduction. Number one, for what end are we on this earth? Now, you who have gone through the Baltimore Catechism, you know for what end we're on the earth. Why did God make me? Hmm? To love, to serve, uh, to know him, to be happy with him, um, 
to to love and know and serve him in this life and be happy with him in the next. That is the end for which we are on this earth. Let me read this. As the scholar goes to school in order that he may afterwards attain a certain position in life, so man is placed on this earth in order that he may attain to the lofty end of eternal happiness. As the servant serves his master and so earns his bread, so man has to serve God and through his service attains happiness to some extent in this life and in fullness after death. We are upon this earth. Here's the answer. For what end are we on this earth? We are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. We don't earn our happiness. We attain to it, as the Apostle Paul says to the Philippians. We attain to the happiness, to the salvation that our Lord won for us on the cross. The glory of God is the end of all creation, the end to which all things were made, beloved. The glory of God All creatures on the earth are created for this end, that they may manifest in themselves the divine perfections and God's dominion over his rational creatures, that that is, over angels and men, and that he may be loved and praised um, by them, even the material world. And creatures not possessed of reason, such as animals, trees, plants, stones, metals, etc., all praise God after their own fashion. The Lord has made all things for himself, says Proverbs 16. Man is created for this end, that he should proclaim the majesty of God. He must do so whether he wills it or not. The construction of the body of man the lofty powers of his soul, the rewards of the good, the punishment of the wicked, all proclaim the majesty of God, his omnipotence, wisdom, goodness, justice, etc. Even the reprobate will have to contribute to the glory of God. In the end, he will show how great is the holiness and justice of God. Man, from being possessed of reason and free will, is through these enabled in a special way to give glory to God. This he does when he knows, loves, and honors God. Man is created chiefly for the life beyond the grave. In this life, he is a stranger, a wanderer, and a pilgrim. We have not here a lasting city, But we seek one that is to come, says the writer to the Hebrews. Heaven is our true country. Here we are in exile. If you're feeling sad, beloved, it's because you're not home yet. This is not our home. We are exiled from our motherland. There's the music for our break, dear ones. We'll be right back after the break and read a little more of this. And then at the half-hour break... We'll take your texts, your calls, your emails. Our toll-free number is one 511 We'll be right back. 
Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I grew up Catholic Church, haven't been in the Catholic Church for decades, but I'm in the process of working my way back for the simple reason that I needed a place to listen to pro-life, pro-family messages. Catholic radio is it. It's a place to hear that message without all the political bias and all that that's going on on News Talk Radio. It changed my life. It's the only station I turn on. The Catholic station is an answer to prayer. It just couldn't be more fulfilling. It's helped me learn more about the faith, and it's helped me to deepen my faith as a result of that. It's on continuously in my house, day and night. You can't imagine how much I receive from that channel. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call one 877 extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy to be here with you. We're going to have an entire week together. Um, And I'm going to read uh, through the Catechism Explained an Exhaustive Explanation of the Christian Religion um, by uh, the Reverend Francis Spirago. It's really the Council of Trent Catechism with Commentary, and it's absolutely wonderful. And we'll go through it together If you wish to get a copy of it, maybe you can see it here. It's truly, truly wonderful. Um, And you can get it online, um, republished by Mediatrix Press, with a good forward by Father Chad Ripperger. It's his favorite catechism, which is how uh, I learned about it initially. And so we're at the introduction, and point number one... Question one, for what end are we on this earth? And the answer is, we are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. It's the only way to happiness is the glory of God. That we so live um, his commandments, the virtues, uh, the fruits of the spirit in our lives that we reflect God, the glory of God someone wants to find as the sum of his attributes. And 
it would be that when people look at us, they would see God because of our lives, and we reflect him as in a mirror. And so, um, uh, Reverend Barago says, hence we are not upon earth only to collect earthly treasures, to attain earthly honors, to eat and to drink, or to enjoy earthly pleasures. He who pursues ends like these behaves as foolishly as a servant who, instead of serving his master, devotes himself to some passing amusement. He stands idle in the marketplace. Instead of working in his master's vineyard, he is like a traveler who, attracted by the beauty of the scenery, does not pursue his journey and so allows the night to overtake him. We are not made for earth. We are made to look upward to heaven. The trees, the plants point upward to heaven as if to remind us that it is our home. Heaven is our home, our beautiful, everlasting home. We are in exile here. And for this reason, our Lord says, one thing is necessary in the Gospel of Luke. And again, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice and all other things shall be added unto you. Unhappily, too many forget their last end and fix their hearts on money, influence, honor, etc. I want to interrupt here to say, dear ones, if you are unhappy on this earth, you have fixed your heart on something earthly, not heavenly. They are like the kings of that heathen country who, although they reigned but for a year and a half that, um, that had to go and live on a barren land, spend all their time in luxury and feasting and did not lay up any provision for the future on the island whither they were bound. He who does not think on his last end is not a pilgrim but a tramp and falls into the hands of the devil as a tramp into the hands of the police. He is like a sailor who knows not whither he is sailing, and so wrecks his ship. Our Lord compares such to the servant who sleeps instead of watching for his master's coming. Second question here. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of our prayer, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children, banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb. Jesus, after this, our exile. We are exiled from our fatherland. We are pilgrims on the earth. We are not home yet, dear ones. And so back to the first question, for what end are we on this earth? And the answer is, we are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. Second question 
how are we to attain to eternal happiness? Eternal happiness consists in union with God through the exercise of the intellect, contemplating God and the will loving him. If we wish to attain it, we must begin to draw near to it in this life. We must seek to know and love God. But love of God consists in keeping his commandments. And from this it follows that we shall attain to eternal happiness by the following means. Number one, we must strive to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. Our Lord says, this is eternal life, the Gospel of John, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That is to say, the knowledge of God brings man to eternal happiness. One, we must strive to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. Secondly, we must fulfill the will of God by keeping his commandments. Our Lord says to the rich young man, if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. In my Protestant years, we were taught that we don't have to keep the commandments. Jesus kept them. He fulfilled the law, but that's not true. Jesus did fulfill the law and empowered us, poured his spirit into us in order that we may do what we could not do apart from him, in order that we would have the power to keep the commandments. Because of ourselves, we can do nothing, no good thing. Um, by means of our own strength, we can neither believe nor keep the commandments. For this we need, the grace of God. Even Adam and Eve, in a state of innocence, needed the help of grace. He who travels to a distant country, besides his own um, exertions, needs money for the journey. The farmer... The farmer cannot cultivate his land without the aid of sunshine and of rain. Man, too, has a special weakness by reason of original sin. This makes grace the more indispensable. The blind man needs a guide. The sick man strengthening food. We are like a man who through weakness has fallen to the ground and has no power of himself to rise. He must look around for one to aid him. So our Lord tells us, without me you can do nothing. As the sun is necessary to the earth to enlighten and warm it, so is grace necessary to our soul. We obtain the grace of God through the means of grace instituted by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Number three. We must therefore avail ourselves of the means of grace, of which the chief are holy, mass, the sacraments, and prayer. The means of grace are a channel through which grace is conveyed to our soul. Faith is the road which leads to heaven. The commandments are like signposts by the way. The means of grace, the money for the journey. The way that leads to life is narrow, and thorny. The way that leads to destruction is broad, and many are they who 
who go in thereat. Two roads, dear one. One that leads to heaven, the other that leads to hell. One that leads to eternal life, one that leads to eternal destruction. But because the devil is the master of leading souls astray, both roads have the same sign, this way to heaven. And those on the broad road will have an awful awakening at the end. It is also true that he who desires happiness must have religion. Religion consists, it's not a terrible word, in my Protestant years we thought religion was man-made and we needed a personal relationship with God. No, religion, faith, a personal relationship with God is God-given. Religion consists in a knowledge of God and a life corresponding to the will of God. Religion is not a matter of feeling. It is a matter of the will and of action. It consists in following out the principles that God has laid down. Mere knowledge does not constitute religion, else the devil would have religion. James says the devils also believe and tremble, but they don't have God. The service of God is necessarily included in it. We do not call a man a baseball player or cricketer because he knows the rules and nature of the game. Practice is also required. It is also true that he who desires to be happy must strive to be like God, like to God. What becomes like to God when all his thought and action resembles the divine thought and action? I should say man becomes like to God when all his thought and action resemble the divine thought and action. The commandments of God are a mirror in which we recognize whether our actions are like or unlike those of God. So, for what end are we on this earth? We are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. What does it mean to glorify God? To reflect all that God is in our own body, our countenance, our words, our speech, our actions, what we do and what we don't do. And second question, how are we to attain to eternal happiness? First, we must strive to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. Second, we must fulfill the will of God by keeping his commandments. And thirdly, we must therefore avail ourselves of the means of grace of which the chief are Holy Mass, the sacraments, and prayer. There's the music for our second break, beloved. Um, And we will begin tomorrow with point three. Can we attain perfect happiness on earth? Can we attain perfect happiness on earth? Um, Beloved, call in with anything that's on your mind. We'll take your calls, your emails, your questions when we come back from this break. Um, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com.
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. This is our half hour together. It's my favorite part of the program. And I love taking your calls, your emails, your texts. Call in with anything on your heart. It's also the time of the program that I'm reminded to, to remind you about the wonderful um, uh, fundraiser that LifeSite News has set up uh, for us in purchasing our new home. Um, it is www.lifefunder, one word, L-I-F-E-F-U-N-D-E-R dot com forward slash and then the initials of our community, D-O-M-M-O-I-H, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. I'm taking a look this morning and we are at 107,000. 53% funded. The goal is 200 with 11 days to go. 200,000 with 11 days to go. We're going to need more than that, but that's going to give us a tremendous, tremendous a start. Um, and um, I just bless all of you. Uh, I'm looking at it this morning. I don't even think I went on it over the weekend. I read every one of your comments. I see what you're doing. And I bless God for every one of you and pray for every one of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We have an email from Barbara who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, 
blessed be God for you and your ministry and for your generosity in coming to us every day through the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. You are the sunshine that all of us so desperately need during these dark times. Thank you. What beautiful words, Barbara. And the, the, the thing is that I'm coming to you through the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News because of the generosity of all our listeners who are supporting those two outstanding, faithful, orthodox, non-compromising apostolates. And so I, I thank them um, for my um, being able to come to you and our being able to come together. Barbara says, my question is, how can I charitably inform a longtime friend who is a practicing Lutheran raised in that faith that the Roman Catholic Church is the one true faith and try to bring her into the church? She is a very good heart, and I believe that she would be open to it. I just don't want to offend her. She lives out of state, so the only time I speak with her is occasionally over the phone. Our conversations always include religion, and it is my friend who usually brings up God or the other activities that she's involved with, uh, with at her church. The only possible complication to trying to convert her may be her husband, who is also a lifelong Lutheran, but is not as devout as my friend and would be less likely to practice their faith without her influence. I don't think that he would accept the Catholic faith at all and may even dissuade my friend from it. She also recently informed me that she and her husband are now going to a general Bible church that they like better than the Lutheran church where they used to attend. She then proceeded to say that worshiping God is all the same no matter how you do it or what church you attend. We are all Christians, so it is basically all the same. Although I desperately wanted to, I failed to correct her out of fear of offending her. I definitely want to try again the next time we speak to each other, but don't know what to say or how to bring it up. Do you have any advice for me, Mother? Thank you so very much for your holy wisdom, Mother Miriam. May God shower abundant blessings upon you and your ministry, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. I tell you what, the scriptures say faithful are the wounds of a friend. You are not a good friend if you're afraid of offending her. Because let the truth offend. Let the truth offend. Um, because if you're a friend and you have the truth and you don't give it to her, um, she may one day say to you, I, I, you know, you were Catholic for years. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me the truth? Um, and you'll say, I was afraid of offending you. And she could rightly say, uh, did you not care more for my soul that I know the truth and wind up in heaven? You see, um, I would suggest a couple of things. One, go to the Coming Home Network International online, Coming Home Network International, and go to their store <clears throat> or shop, and there is um, a book that is totally... Uh, the a compilation of the stories of Lutherans who came into the Catholic Church. When Martin Luther uh, nailed the, the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door, um, it was why he was leaving the church. And I think the title of this book is 
95 reasons why I came into the church, something like that, to counter Luther. Most Lutherans do not know that their faith is just a few hundred years old, as opposed to the 2,000-year-old church that our Lord established. And so I would get that book, and then um, if they have become more evangelical in their Protestantism, you can get other books as well. Um, Surprised by Truth is a wonderful book uh, compiled by Patrick Madrid, Surprised by Truth. Um, But I would go get that one, a compilation of Lutherans who came into the Catholic faith um, and reversed what Luther did, who left the Catholic faith. So I think uh, the best way sometimes for some people who are not on a scholarly journey to look into the Catholic faith is personal stories. Why did Lutherans, why on earth would they become Catholic? They're short stories, and they're deeply personal, and they're very easy to read. So I would get on the phone with her next time and say to, to her, I want to apologize to you. You often bring up your, your service to the church, your joy at your faith and all that, and I, I bless God for it and for the faith he's given you. But I've rarely spoken of my Catholic faith, and I've been remiss in that. And tell her you've come across a book of Lutherans who have come into the church, and you would love to send it to her. Um, And um, I don't know how receptive she'll be. Don't worry about her husband. Just send it to her and let her read it. And if you're a little concerned that she may not read it, wait till your birthday and say, I would love you to give me a gift for my birthday, and that is to read this book that I'm going to send you and let me know what you think of it. Okay, she can give it back if she wants. So that's a good start um, to say, I've, you know, I've never wanted to offend you, and you're not offending me by telling me of your faith, so why should I be afraid of offending you by telling you of mine? Um, I'd like to send you this book, and I ask you as a gift that you would read it. Uh, for me. Okay. Um, We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, um, uh, Good morning, Mother Miriam. My past is filled with neglect and abuse, many physical trials and depression. I have not been able to shake the depression despite medication and prayer. You had mentioned that you just rebuke depression as being from the devil. I am not successful when trying this. Plus, I am very overweight and have used food since age 11 to cope. I am now in my 50s, and the temptation to eat is incredibly strong. How do I rise above these issues? I am a practicing Catholic, and I don't know what else to do. Oh, dear one, you're not alone. You're absolutely not alone in your struggles. And the enemy knows our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses, and it takes nothing for us to give in to them because we have had a lifetime of giving in to them. We know how to give in to them. Um, If at all possible, dear one, maybe you've tried a program like Overeaters Anonymous. Um, If not, I know several people who have gone through that program Um, It's a Christian program. It was actually started by Catholics. Uh, Twelve Steps, all of that, Overeaters Anonymous, OA. And you're with other people 
who have deep, deep struggles, psychological issues, abuse, all of that. And you're not alone. And you have a sponsor all the way through it who can help you and call you and pray for you and all of that. Um, But you don't have to worry about failing because the only way we learn to do anything is by failing. How do we learn to ride a bike? We fall 10 times or or 50 times before we get up and ride. So failure is not the issue. Failing to try is the only true failure. So don't be alone, dear one. Take a look at Overeaters Anonymous if that will help you. Um, Try to get a good spiritual director, maybe a very compassionate, mature woman who can really walk with you and help you through this. Um, So you're not alone. That's the thing. And give you things to do, maybe different ways to learn how to eat where you don't have to worry about not eating so much, but it's what you eat that might help. Um, um, And again, maybe help you to enter into a bit of fasting um, uh, in reparation for uh, the sins of those who don't know God, whatever it may be. Um, um, But know that your depression It can be from the devil. Uh, It certainly can be. But you say you've had neglect and abuse and many, many trials. So it may also be that if you're not taking any medication for depression or anxiety, it may be that you can see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or someone or maybe just a general doctor who can give you that medication, not to drug you, but to free you. Um, I know people who have taken medications like that. They're afraid of it, but they take them. And um, it may take a week or two for them to realize any difference. But they wake up one morning and and the world is new. So not to be drugged, nothing like that. Just a right uh, beginning baby dose. And between the medication um, to regulate your your mind, your thoughts, and... um, someone to help you um, in a good way, good healthy way to eat. Forget diet, just a good healthy way to eat. You know, I've had women enter here. Um, One woman entered who was 200 pounds overweight, and really overweight, didn't weigh 200 pounds. She weighed 350. And I told her that I'm not looking for her to diet. I only want her to live as we live. And she lost 160 pounds just living as we do. Um, Any woman who comes in and they're overweight, we eat in a healthy way. I don't ask anyone to go on a diet. And it doesn't matter. It's a gradual process, but they get down to the weight that they should be. And you'll feel so much better about yourself. So, um, okay, dear one, I, I pray that you'll contact Overeaters Anonymous or some Christian um, health group, something like that, that you could have support. We have an email from Carrie, and Carrie says, uh, Dear Mother Miriam, I am an English mother of six children aged 10 to 19 years old. My husband is an atheist, feminist, socialist, anti-Catholic. How did that happen, Carrie? My husband is an atheist, feminist, socialist, anti-Catholic. 
My oldest daughter is also now an atheist, which has broken my heart. I pray the rosary every day with my children, and we have been attending Latin Mass for the past five years. I regularly play traditional Catholic talks and catechesis on YouTube and read to them about the lives of the saints. Oh, dear, you have a a project there, don't you, dear Carrie? Um, Your email goes on, and we'll complete it when we come back from the break. It'll be our last segment, dear ones. Call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. time of affliction. Blessed, O Lord, be thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are, What can we do without Thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, Thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we place our trust in Thee. Amen. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. And you are welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open at one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. <clears throat> we began an email from Carrie, and I'm going to read it from the beginning. 
This is a very difficult situation. Carrie writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am an English mother of six children aged 10 to 19 years old. My husband is an atheist, feminist, socialist, anti-Catholic. Now, what you haven't said, Carrie, is if you were a practicing Catholic when you married him, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that you came to a stronger faith later than that. Um, it, my eldest, she says, my oldest daughter is also now an atheist, which has broken my heart. I pray the rosary every day with my children, and we've been attending Latin Mass for the past five years. I really play traditional Catholic talks and catechesis, catechesis on YouTube and read to them about the lives of the saints. My children went to state Catholic primary school, but learned little of the faith there. I taught them a lot myself. I've been teaching them the Baltimore Catechism. From age 11, they have gone to a secular state secondary school. Since the Catholic secondary school was worse for their faith and the, than the pagan school, and I had to remove them from the Catholic secondary school, which taught contrary to the faith in many ways. Beloved, I've often said that it's, it's worth worse sending your children to a Catholic school than a public school if the Catholic school does not teach the faith. Then your children will think they've learned Catholicism and they won't have a clue uh, who they are and they'll leave it on their own. In England, Carrie writes, <clears throat> in England, the bishops have backed the new government program for compulsory perverted sex education, promoting the LGBT agenda, etc. Parents no longer have the right to withdraw their child from these classes. This new program comes into force this year. Up until now, I have had my children withdrawn from religious education, which includes world cults and religions, and sex education, teaching them catechism instead on a nearby park bench in all weather. However, as of next term, even the Catholic primary school will be imposing the new scheme, and I have looked at the proposed Catholic presentation of this scheme, which is no better. I am not allowed to withdraw them in future from sex and relationships classes. My atheist husband absolutely refuses to allow me to home educate them. I used to be a teacher of geography and also some history and religious ed in a Catholic school many years ago. <clears throat> I feel I am betraying my children and continuing to send them to school, but to disobey my husband may break my fragile marriage. What should I do? And which is the greater sin? Please pray for us. Please pray for me, Mother, and thank you for reading this. God bless you, and thank you for your great help for us all, Carrie. Carrie, I don't know why your husband <clears throat> is a socialist, uh, anti-Catholic, anti-feminist, all of that. I don't know why he is so hostile and not Catholic and what the situation was when you married. But I would say... Uh, you will break up your marriage if you homeschool them. 
um, you might tell your husband how desperate you are to um, uh, not have the state take over the lives of your children that God has given those children to the two of you as stewards to teach and to raise in the faith. Um, If it looks like it will immediately break up your marriage, I would say go ahead and send your children to these classes. And but teach them when they come home. You must homeschool them, even if they go to a public school. When they come home, find out what they're learning, find out what their um, uh, their books say, uh, what the teachers say, learn everything, and take them through the grid of the Catholic faith. When I was young, we went to public school. Uh, in my Jewish uh, youth, we went to public school. But we came home, and we knew what was true and what wasn't. And so if you need to send your children to these, this, these evil institutions for the preservation of your marriage, you teach your children and live the faith without compromise and live it in love and let them see you love and obey your husband and maybe God will change him as well. But when they come home, you need to go through what they've learned that day and have a session with them together or each individual that you can set them on the right track with the Catholic faith. I don't know what else you can do, Carrie. I don't know if you married in the church, if your husband made a vow that the children would be raised in the church. I don't know your situation at the moment. It's quite bad. And I would just say, um, let your children clearly see the difference between the world without Christ and the home under you with Christ. Um, okay, uh, we have a question uh, that came in from Facebook from Christine. She said, is there a mailing address to which I can send a donation? My card is not working properly online through the Life Funder link. Oh, dear. Oh, Christine, thank you, dear soul. Yes, um, I'm going to give out our address in Beloit right now. It is, um, it's a temporary address. We're not at our permanent address yet. It'll be close to three months before the house will be ready for us to move in. Um, And we'll move in while it's being worked on. But at the moment, our address is 500 North Mill Street, M for Mary, M-I-L-L, 500 North Mill Street, Beloit, Kansas. That's B for boy, E-L-O-I-T, Beloit, Kansas, and the zip code 67420. God bless you, and thank you so much. And you know what? Um, anyone can go on our website, which is motherofisraelshope.org, and you can click on Donate, and donate through that site, or click on Contact, and get our address and our contact information. Okay. We have an email from Danielle, and uh, I don't know if we'll have time for it. Um um, let me take Marie. Um, okay, uh, it's a shorter email, Marie. We only have a, um, about a minute left to the program. Marie writes, um, just need clarification or reasoning. Why is it okay to use organs from murdered people? to help someone in medical need. 
but wrong to use cells from babies who have been aborted for vaccines supposedly to help others. It seems like using cells from unborn aborted babies for vaccines is objected to while the other scenario is not. I'm not aware of the other scenario. It is never right to murder. Babies are not aborted and murdered uh, to save somebody's life. They're murdered because uh, the mother, for one, one reason or another, doesn't want them. Um, or the father doesn't want them. Whatever the situation is, they murder their babies. They don't murder them in order to develop a vaccine. Same thing with people who are murdered. Um, uh, it, it's, it's not okay to use organs from murdered people to help someone in medical need. Nobody, I don't know where you're getting that from. It's okay for us to volunteer the use of our organs at our death to help someone. But we need to decide that and sign a paper so they are prepared to do that at our death. We'll speak with you tomorrow.